My point here is that it's incumbent upon a modern reader, unless you want, no spaces and all capitals and no verse numbers and no chapter numbers, which you pass. Please don't want to get back it's coming upon us to figure out where we should put the chapter breaks. Um, so let's do a little pop trivia. Anybody know what the chapter divisions were put into our English Bible? Or were put into the Bible as well? Which came first, chapters or verses? Until the 1500s, uh, chapters showed up. What was that? That's what I remember. Yeah, I think chapters showed up in the 11 to 1200s, <laughs> and it was it was purely a function of how do we how do we divide this up so we can reference it easier. If you remember back when Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and they they brought him the scroll of Isaiah. And the reference is something along the lines of, he came to the part where da 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 da. Well, you had to know the whole thing to know where he was because it wasn't broken up by numbers then. It was just, this is the part where. So, um, so please understand that the critique here from the commentators and from me is not one of, like, I got it wrong. He put the chapter. No, no, no. The dude that did it on horseback in between Paris and London, because that's how the chapter divisions got, he was literally on horseback riding in. The, the old, old, old joke is that the horse stumbled and his hand slipped and he put it in the wrong spot. Like this is the womp, 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 right? This is, okay, there we go. Anyway. Uh, so he greets, this is from Paul and Timothy, this thanksgiving and prayer, this effusive praise uh, to God for the Philippians. Uh, he talks about the advance of the gospel, how, how what Paul's heartbeat is for uh, the gospel being productive in uh, the lives of uh, the Philippians and in the Philippi region and the world at large. Um, he talks about how he's got a struggle to uh, be here with them or to go be with Christ, uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Uh, and then at the end of chapter 1, he kind of revs up into this citizens of heaven and how are you going to live and how are you going to engage and what are you going to do there. So we'll pick up in chapter 2, I'll read all the way through chapter 2, uh, and then we'll come back to start verse 3. So Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out, not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. 
For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Now, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and hold people like him in honor, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Does this chapter cover a lot of ground or what? It is. We start off kind of finishing up this, this concept about how we're going to live. We move into this beautiful hymn about Christ. We talk about what we're going to do as a result of that. And then, oh, by the way, there's some guys that love you to basically death. Uh, and this is how you can engage with them. So let's start with, uh, let's start with verse 3 here. Uh, and if we could go to the uh, next slide. Uh, so this is our, our verses that we're going to be looking at today. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others is more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. If we go one more slide, what I want you to see is that there are, so gonna, uh, it's a timely question again, so we're going to circle back to this. Uh, there are really good indicators in the original Greek language where sentences should start and where sentences should stop. And in English, so for those of you that have ever done any type of editing or proofreading, if somebody came at you and said everything that is on the screen right now, the first four verses was one sentence, what would you call that? A problem, right? Yeah. It's a run-on sentence or you know, some kind of proof. In the original Greek, this is one sentence. Now the challenge is that we, as 21st century hearers, we can't intellectually hang on to what is going on. Uh, I will challenge you to go back and read some of the sermons from the Great Awakening uh, 150, 170 years ago. 
it will be a stunning intellectual challenge to follow the logical thought process from beginning to end during those sermons. Because the sentence structure, the intellectual capacity needed to follow that is just, it's incredible. And oh, by the way, everybody read all their sermons back then. There was no real extemporaneous. That would have been just considered crazy to stand up and just talk to each other and start talking. Um, so if you think that just because we have really cool technology, we're really smarter than the people who came before, <laughs> absolutely not the case. Uh, Paul's argument is just very complex here. So we break it up in English so that an English reader doesn't get lost in the logic book. But you got to remember, what was Paul training to be? A lawyer. A lawyer. He's a lawyer. A lawyer of what? The law. Like a law lawyer. Because <laughs> that was the only kind of lawyer there was. Because the law was their law book. So you needed somebody to argue the interpretation of the law on behalf or against someone to see how things would go. So there's only one kind of lawyer that's a Bible lawyer. That's a, that's a neat concept, though. No. All right, so let's go to the next slide there. Uh, and uh, so today, in your green books, we are starting on verse, uh, on verse, on page 114, uh, and looking to cover four pages there, so Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Uh, and so all the quotes today are from Dr. Fee. Um, he, he, just, he just really did a great job. So this is the equivalent of uh, me saying Michael Jordan, hey, yeah, good game, yeah, cool. Like, so I'm you to understand. Like, this is, I acknowledge where I'm at in the intellectual and theological pecking order here. Uh, but the next quote here is, it, this is a good one that he, he, he talks about how this concept runs through all of Paul's writing. So in modern American culture, the focus is on the individual. In the scripture, the focus is on the community. And specifically here in Philippians, the accent is on unity. So have you ever seen a word that you didn't know how to pronounce? And one of the questions where you're like, mm, wonder what syllable I should emphasize. I don't know. Maybe I'll put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> right? Things don't sound right when we put the emphasis on the wrong syllable because we have to know where to put the emphasis. And if we look at this text with the emphasis on hyper-individual, we're going to come away with a really skewed view of both Paul and Christian community. So the accent here is on uh, the community of faith. Now, uh, let's do one more forward there, I think. Uh, and so Fee does this all the time, which I think is really funny. So let's read the verses 2 through 4 again real quick. So make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. With that in mind, uh, this sense is plain enough, perhaps too plain for most of us. Right? Do, do verses 2 through 4 seem like, that seems like, I wonder what Paul is trying to say here. <laughs> no, this is pretty clear. And it's, it's so clear, in fact, we try to sometimes muddy it. Right? Uh, so what I don't want to do, I, I love these two quotes to kind of frame our, our conversation today, that this is, it is what it says, uh, it's quite clear. Uh, there are some things we want to pull out and focus on, but uh, don't miss the fact that this is get along, right? 
do this thing together and uh, others' needs are more important than mine. Have an approach. So, all right, let's go to the next slide there, Thank you. So let's look at uh, page 114 in your green book. So do nothing uh, out of selfish ambition. This word for selfish ambition means intrigue or by implication a faction. Uh, faction is probably not a word you use a lot. So what's another word for faction? A click, right? Good. A tribe. A tribe? Yeah, very good. Did, were there clicks and tribes in the New Testament churches? Sure. Do we have any scriptural evidence of that? What text is coming to your mind? Say it. That's right. The Corinthians, absolutely. Some say, I am of Paul. Some say, I'm of Apollos. Others say, I'm of Christ. Oh. Jesus card. Here we go. We're all good. And, and, and there were people always had like favorites or folks that they lined up with. And the reality is that is shockingly dangerous. Um, and the idea behind this is do nothing out of selfish ambition. But the goal here is that I don't have a clip, that I don't have a faction. I don't have I look behind me and see like people are following me. Yay. No. <laughs> Please do not. Uh, anything we want to be following Christ. Uh, this word shows up seven. This word, uh, selfish ambition, shows up seven times in the, in the New Testament. Uh, the first is actually in. We'll look at a couple of them real quick. Second Corinthians twelve twenty. For I fear, perhaps, that when I come, I will not find you to be what I want, and you may not find me to be what you want. This is Paul writing. If, if there was ever a parental tone, right? I'm scared when I show up, I'm not going to be what you're expecting. Mm. Perhaps there will be quarreling, jealousy, angry outbursts, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. You see where he puts that concept of selfish ambitions? In the middle of quarreling, jealousy, angry outbursts, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Uh, there's another list in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is probably most well known for what? That's where we find the list of what? Fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, awesome. All the really fun, amazing stuff. What else is in Galatians chapter 5? The anti-fruit of the Spirit stuff. I don't know what you want. The vegetables of the flesh. The vegetables of the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> the credit, the oh. high on Sunday nights, that's all that. Vegetables <laughs> of the flesh. Because they don't like vegetables, do they? That's good. So in the middle of the vegetables of the flesh, uh, in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. Like, whoa, we are. Like, this is a, what kind of a list is this? Hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. You're like, wait now, you're getting you're poking at me now. <laughs> Selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Yeah, going to be anything similar. Right? <laughs> it's like it rhymes, that's in there too. So this is kind of where he is putting this concept of selfish. Like this is not 
what the, uh, the, the believer is supposed to be known for in any way, shape, or form. Um, then we come to uh, James chapter 3, and I'm just now realizing I'm going to struggle to find James. There it is. Uh, I don't use a physical Bible when I study. You guys know this. And I didn't like print the verses out, so I found it. Yeah. But I had to talk and get myself long enough to find it. So James chapter 3, uh, 13 through 18 here. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he would show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, notice where James puts it. James puts it in the heart. Right? Yet bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, shows up again right there, there is disorder and every evil practice. James puts this kind of a internal belief system as the tipping point for all sorts of other things. So sometimes we run past, like, oh, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Well, okay, sure. I get it. Right? It's on the naughty list. It's, it's at the root of the naughty list. And this is really, really not good stuff. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. So this word, kenodoxia, uh, kenodoxia, uh, it, it's actually a, a, a compound word. The first little phrase there, keno, K-E-N-O, uh, means to empty or emptying. Uh, doxia is the Greek word for glory, and it just means empty glory. It's like there's no... There's no substance to this. Uh, the VDAG says it means a vain or exaggerated self-evaluation. Uh, a vain or worthless opinion. Do, do you know people in your life that when you hear them speak about something, you immediately go, yeah, no, there's nothing. There's, no, there's nothing of substance or value that's going to be shared right now. Like we can all just give an intellectual pause and think about the birds or whatever, and something else. Or hit delete on the email. Hit delete on the email, yes, that's exactly right. This is the, the rule-based things in Outlook where you just, just go straight to the trash, and that's the way this works, right? Uh, yeah, so nothing out of selfish ambition where my desire for me is to be above or to have some group that is dedicated to me, or conceit. So nothing that where I am looking at life and seeing that this is not consistent with the reality of the situation. Um, so a couple of um, uh, so yes, let's keep going. So on verse uh, page one fifteen, I keep wanting to call the verses page numbers verses. So we'll get to that. Uh, but so Paul is going to shift here. But in humility, in humility. Um, so we need to talk for just a second about how Paul's listeners would have heard this word. Because humility. In Christian oh, uh, humility in Christian circles, okay, everything is falling apart today. So this is what's going on. I'm, I'm going to take a pause just for a safety moment here. I think I have sorted hand sanitizer on the floor. <laughs> Pick your favorite gif right here. This is where. I'm going to here we go. All right. Um, 
But this concept of humility would not have been something that would have resonated with a first century Roman audience. If you go back and you read the Stoics, uh, if you read uh, people who were popular literarily in, in this time frame, nobody thought humility was a good thing. Because the center of the universe for a Roman was the emperor or the Roman himself. It was not a god. Okay? So it was a very anthrocentric, uh, it's a very man centric view. The Christian worldview is that God is the center of all things. So we should be humble before Him. You see the difference here? Okay. So when Paul says, but in humility, what? Whoa. That's not culturally cool. And I would almost argue that I'm not sure humility is culturally cool today, but a little bit of humility is. We see somebody uh, on television that wants to apologize. We expect a humble attitude, right? Romans would not have expected a humble attitude. Romans would have said, uh, that was wrong, and this is what we're going to do now. No humility here. Humility would have been a sign of weakness. So this is a, a really extended quote from Fee. You know, read the whole thing. So humility is a uniquely Christian virtue, which, as with the message of a crucified Messiah, stands in utter contradiction to the values of the Greco-Roman world, who generally consider humility not a virtue, but a shortcoming. And humility is not to be confused with false modesty or with that kind of abject servility that only repulses, wherein the humble one, uh, by obsequiousness, gains more self-serving attention than he or she could do otherwise. Rather, it has to do with the proper estimation of oneself, the stance of the creature before the Creator, utterly dependent and trusting. Here one is well aware of both one's weaknesses and of one's glory. We are in his image, after all, but makes neither too much or too little of either. True humility is therefore not self-focused at all, but rather, as further defined by Paul in verse 4, looks not to one's own concerns, but to those of others. Right? So what, I'm, what I don't want you to hear me say is like, oh, we're, we're always like... You, you, and no, 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 it's not what Paul is saying here. Like, as opposed to selfish ambition and conceit, which are empty and worthless, humility, humility of mind specifically, uh, is, the, is the attitude that the Christians should be coming with here. All right, so, but in humility, consider, it's a final a verb, yeah. Um, I don't think we've got a verb yet in verse 3. Yeah. Consider. This means to think about, to focus on, to uh, to process. It shows up several times in Philippians, but this is the first time in Philippians because Paul has to lay this uh, intellectual groundwork about how valuable and significant the gospel is, and now we start to get into our. Right, here's the list of things to go and to do, and a, a big chunk of them have to do with how we think. How we think impacts how we feel. So, but consider, and it's the plural command here, consider uh, others 
and this is a plural others, as more important. More important. All right. So does anybody have a different translation than the CSB? There's several different words that can be used here. Esteem, right? Esteem, well, there's a word you don't use every day. Not for consider, but consider others as the CSB says more important. You may have something else that's more important. More significant. More significant? That's actually really, that's a nice translation. Yeah. What else? Anything else? Okay. Uh, if you turn the page in your green book to page 116, uh, one of the other definitions is superior. And that's actually a, a really good way to think about this particular word. Um, Paul uses this word a couple of other times in the New Testament. Sorry, a couple of other times in Philippians. Um, in verse 8 of chapter 3, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That that word surpassing value, like this is superior, like knowing Christ is more. And it shows up again in chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is, this is something that's significantly more, significantly beyond uh, when we compare. So this is not a, um, what I don't want you to think about here is because more important can be, well, is it a little more important or is it a lot more important? Because right? there are things you can forget in certain recipes that if you forget this, eh, it's not as good. But if you forget that, it didn't work. Right? It, it won't work at all. You forget yeast. When you're making bread, you're not going to get bread. I don't know what you're going to get, but you're not going to want to eat it. <laughs> and it does awful comedian crackers. Hey, that's probably what you're going to get. Right? <laughs> Terrible. Um, but so when we consider others, it's not a like, well, we just kind of nudge them out. No, it's like one is really significant versus another. All right, so uh, an application and a couple of personalizations at the bottom of page 115. Uh, so application number one here. A Christian's life is not driven by a vaulted view of self. A Christian's life is not driven by a vaulted view of self. That's as much alliteration as you can get out of here today, too. Okay. I did it with these. So Christian's life is not driven by a vaulted view of self. So what do we do with that? Well, one A would be have a mindset of humility. This is where we come from. We come from, in our heart and our minds, a mindset of humility. So one A, have a mindset of humility. And then one B, focus on others' needs. And that's O-T-H-E-R-S apostrophe. Oh, this would have been a perfect time to show that picture. We had some electrical work done in our house this week, and I had a couple things. I'm not going to get any of the terms right. Just give me grace on this today, okay? Okay. Uh, we had more things connected to our breaker box, so there are more things that need to be labeled. There were. Three things that were added, and two of them had spelling and grammar errors <laughs> that are now documented forever in my home. 
So they don't need that new label next to the Exactly. They left and I opened up the box and was like, oh, oh, this is just, no, no. <laughs> you know, so, so what do we do when a Christian's life is not driven by a vaulted view of self? We have a mindset of humility. We focus on others' needs as compared to our needs. This is not just, so don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we only ever focus on others' needs and never deal with anything that we actually need. No, 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 no. As compared to ours, we focus on others. So this can get way out of whack in life. All right. Others than yourselves, top of page 116. Uh, and this yourselves is a plural. So this is for the group. So another way I've heard this mistalk is that Paul's not saying that others are morally superior. Right? This is uh, in, in modern day uh, Instagram. Uh, what you see sometimes is, we'll look for the good in other people. That's not what Paul's talking about. Good is in Christ. So, we get to verse 4, and Paul's going to expound on verse 3. So what does this look like? This is verse 4. Everyone, now is this plural or singular? Singular. Oh, wow, wow. What? What? Has Paul lost his, like, did he... Like, what's happening? We finally got a singular. Yeah, because the accountability for a group to be looking out for others ultimately rests with the individual. Now, when we see an individual not aligned with the group, what should the group gently and lovingly do? Yeah, come on inside and say, hey, it's not how we do this. Let's walk together and I'll show you how we do this. It's how we all do this. Right? But there is an individual responsibility here. I love the fact that Paul puts the, uh, the responsibility on the individual, not the blessing on the individual. That would rile up some Americans. All right, so everyone should look. So now we get to a plural, present, active participle. This is a group standing order. This word shows up several times in the New Testament. It has a broad, broad range of meaning. It can mean anything from look out, this is danger, to look, inspect this, to um, you need to really pay a lot of attention to this thing that's going on right now. Like any type of looking, basically, this will, um, this will cover it. So everyone should look out. This is, we're constantly doing this as a group. Uh, everyone should look out not to his own interests. Now, you see the word uh, at the bottom of page uh, 116, the word own has a Greek word after it, right? Uh, flip over and look at page 117 at the top. What's the Greek word after the word interests? There's not one. Now we add that word because if you just say everyone looking not uh, his, not the own. Needs more words. And to flesh that out just a little bit. Right? So we add the word interest to help us understand exactly what's going on. And we feel good about adding the word interest there in the English because Paul continues on page 117. He says, but rather, he puts two words to make the transition. This is a big transition. To the interests, and that's the actual like, teacher every, uh, of others. So the concept is in the second half of the comparison, so we feel good about bringing it up in the first half to make the English flow nice and smooth. CSP, really nice job right here. So, 
Application from this last section, again, this is not overly complicated stuff. Uh, Christians are not marked by an us-first lifestyle. Christians are not marked by an us-first lifestyle. So what do we do with that? We look out for others' needs first. O-T-H-E-R-S apostrophe. Look out for others' needs first. The thief will do this sometimes in his writing, and I will do this often in my teaching, and I felt good about it when I saw him do it in his writing. So uh, the last quote today is, uh, the accent rests on the community. He says it at the beginning, and he says it at the end, but don't miss this, because this is on the group. Does the individual have accountability here? Yeah, absolutely. But the group both helps the individual and keeps the momentum and alignment going in the right direction. So that is verse 3 and 4. And the last slide today. Um, has anybody listened to the CD yet? Some of it. Some of it? Yeah, Yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, things like yes, good. Anybody else? Lisa? Yeah, all right, cool. I'm going to strongly encourage you to listen to the CD. This might be important soon-ish, okay? That's as strong a hint as I can give you guys. I want you to be aware when things happen, what is happening and why they are happening. So basically what, what this group has done is they have taken the text of Philippians and written a song about basically every single frequency in the CD. Uh, and they are vastly, wildly different styles. So, if you like the first song, you, you might like the second song. You might not like the ninth song. It's okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. So, I'm just saying. All right, so that's the lesson for today. Uh, let's move into our prayer time. Uh, thank you guys online for being with us. So, if anybody has prayer requests, please write those down. Put those in the comments. Uh, lean in, engage, and pray for somebody not with you, and then we get to go and worship this one who is worthy of us behaving differently. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming to that.